Hey, Rachel. Hey, Brian. So how was your week? You know that feeling of being locked in a padded room and you're kind of <laughs> slamming into walls while cackling and then you wake up and you're relieved it's just a dream no, and you look no, around and you see you're in a room with padded walls? No, I do not know that feeling. Although I could probably empathize for someone for whom that is a really <laughs> traumatic experience. That's that's how my week is going. So oh, That's how it feels every week in the year of uh, the age of Donald Trump in 2019. Okay, well, the only way to deal with that is to jump right in. This is This Week in Nope. The podcast where we shut it down. My name is no. My sign is no. My number is no. You need to let it go. You need to let it go. Need to let it go. Okay, Rachel. Well, this week, the elephant in the room was very, very easy to select, especially for those of us in New York City. But I suspect this is a story that has um, has uh been across the nation as well. This is the fact that Amazon HQ2, the second headquarters, was in New York, was selected, and then they pulled right on out, and it was in your very neighborhood of Long Island City. I'm an expert on this topic, and I'm surprised more people are not reaching out (laughs) to interview me about it, but like I I was... Go ahead. <laughs> no, people People were reaching out. People wanted to buy your apartment, didn't they? <laughs> they did. There were um, vultures hovering and sort of interrupting me on the elevator and making offers. It was wild. Didn't you get like ch- text messages from Chinese oligarchs who were putting in <laughs> offers like no, there was unsolicited a, offers for your apartment? There's like um, a real estate company that claimed that they sold 50 apartments by text message in a single day. I think it was total BS. But yeah, people were very keen on the real estate here. Okay. So you are obviously an expert and an observer about how this fuck up happened. How did we find ourselves here? We won one of the biggest, uh, you know, treasures every, you know, 50, 100 cities across the country were wishing for this. We got it. And then we drove them away. How did this happen? Well, first of all, it was a nonsense competition. I mean, Amazon was coming here anyway, and it was a total failure of our politicians. Like Amazon was just doing what businesses do, which is maximize profits and, and our, we cannot we cannot fault them for that. We by, cannot. By definition, that is what they're there for. However, <laughs> politicians exist to get people on board with initiatives, and this was an epic failure of historic proportions. Right, right. So my problem with it, I was all in favor of Amazon being here. I know reasonable people disagree, but the real problem for me was the lack of transparency in this, right? If they had just gotten some people on board and told them what was happening, I think everybody would have kumbayaed and said this was a good idea. But what happened was that our governor, Andrew Cuomo, and our mayor, Bill de Blasio, cut this backroom deal like they do everything, even though they hate each other. They cut this deal. They realized that there was this $3 billion in tax incentives, which in fact is not such an unusual thing and has been going on for decades and decades. For New York, it's it's typical. But I mean, we could ask ourselves, should it be typical? And I think that the answer is no, but it's not anything that was out of the ordinary for the number of jobs that they were going to create. Correct. That's right. And then look at all the people who oppose this. And in fact, you know, one of the uh, New York City film production credits, the like tax abatement for those people is an article of faith. Everybody, every city does that. You will never have anyone filming here if you don't have that. And nobody objects to that. Um, and yet here we are. So it was really just opportunistic, selective judgment uh, against Amazon here. And who picks a fight with the fucking richest man in the world? It's just like his dick picks, right? Who picks a fight with the richest man in the world and the richest company in the world? And good for them for just taking their marbles and going home. Right. And But I also feel like good for New York because, you know, we're New York. 
We don't. We don't need you. <laughs> no, need, I could take it or leave it. Honestly, like it's not like I have a business that was that stood to benefit from Amazon being here. So speaking from a purely self interest perspective, my no, taxes, a, my no, my you were, you property were, you taxes real, would have gone you own, up. You own real estate that mm-hmm. would have gone up in value, and maybe AJ would have had an amazing school that was even closer or better funded than he has now. Possibly, but maybe somebody else will come in, and I, I don't like the fact that they were. Not not in favor of unions. And, you know, I, I think we're New York, we can do whatever we want. And they should have worked harder to get our community on board if they really wanted to make this happen. And I right. also I mean, think that we we could look to Virginia, which is like a total the model, the model governance state, <laughs> they somehow managed like Governor Northam, who was like dancing around doing the moonwalk in blackface. <laughs> Managed to pull this off. Right, because they're in Arlington. That's their other city. Yeah. So why <laughs> why couldn't we do this? Maybe Andrew Cuomo should have been in blackface to win over the Amazon overlords. I no, mean, I mean, I this, mean is, this is a disaster. It's a total fail. They should lose their jobs for this. This is horrible. These people, look, these people, these politicians, they have one job, right? Go, you know, grow the economic of uh, economics of the city in a get fair companies way. to come to your city. That's right. it, and, and and manage the expectations and the input of the community in such a way that the good decisions that are going to happen have the support of the community. So my final verdict on this: I know that there's pluses and minuses. Did New York do the right thing? Did Amazon do the right thing? I give my nope to New York City, to New York State. You should have handled this better. You fucked this up. No. No. Nope to you, Andrew Amazon Cuomo. Remember, he said he was going to change his name to Amazon. And nope to you, Amazon de Blasio. Jeff Bezos, cut off their Prime subscriptions. Don't allow them to access the marvelous <laughs> Mrs. Maisel you, season two. You, you no. do not get two-day fri- free shipping no. on whatever you it is you order. You do not get anything. <laughs> Pack your no. knives and go. No. 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 <laughs> no shut it okay. down. Now, is it? Now, as important as this seems to us in New York, and it is a national issue, I think I have an alternate elephant in the room, and that is the national emergency. We're in the middle of a national emergency. Don't look like, don't I look like I'm in a, I'm in a state of emergency right now? <laughs> I'm in, I'm, I definitely am in a state of emergency. <laughs> we're actually not in the same place right now, so we're looking at each other through FaceTime, and we are both obviously. <laughs> We're screaming in an an emergency state. Um, (laughs) The only thing that could perhaps alleviate the state of emergency that we're in is a fine um, omelet bar. (laughs) What? (laughs) Find me an omelet bar that cannot alleviate any state of emergency. I I know exactly where to go for the finest (laughs) omelet bar in the nation. And that is Mar-a-Lago, the uh, winter White House. And that is exactly where our president went right after declaring a national emergency. His first stop was at the omelet bar at the property he owns at Mar-a-Lago. He was photographed um, in line getting getting an omelet made. I, and I think the first thing we need to note about this is that um, never mind crimes against the nation or crimes against humanity. He was in the middle of a crime against fashion is that he was wearing a beige on beige ensemble. I mean, He's it's wearing- fashion week. This is the most disrespectful thing you can do to designers. Beige never on beige. His, never mind his disrespect for the entire like national creed of America. He was wearing a beige sweater and beige pants 
during fashion week waiting for an omelet. If that is not <laughs> if that is not the definition of like a base monster, then I don't know what it is. And the thing I loved about this picture was the guy who is making the omelet had this like pursed up face like I cannot believe I'm making an omelet for this garbage monster. What do you and, think was in it, Brian? <laughs> I don't know, like the the tears of immigrants, <laughs> like salted by the tears like of gold. Like he's like yeah, add gold some flakes. gold. That's right. Everything. I want a gold omelet, <laughs> sir. I don't have any gold. Get get some gold. Melt down You're your fired. wedding. Melt, melt down your wedding ring. Melt your fillings. <laughs> well, he's been. I mean, that's the important thing is that Trump wants to make it seem as if you know there's a national emergency, but he's always in charge. And what else is he doing to make sure that the life is comfortable for himself? He also installed a taxpayer-funded golf simulator in the White House so he can play golf while he's not playing golf. Yep. Um, this this is absolutely critical. This is what he does during executive time. That's right. I thought he was just watching Fox News. Maybe he's watching Fox News while he's playing golf simulation at the same time. <laughs> like he's like like uh, teeing balls at Bill O'Reilly or at Tucker Carlson. I mean, the one like silver lining of all of this is that if he's playing golf simulation, he can't be like pushing the nuclear button. So <laughs> I would not assume that. I would not assume that. Maybe there's a maybe <laughs> off in the T. I don't know the green and the sand trap. There's like a button. <laughs> there's like the nuclear like, football. Yes, is like <laughs> and if like he hits the ball in the wrong direction, it hits the nuclear button, and oh, we God. we we nuke England or some Brexit. I don't know what's going to happen. It's terrible. It's terrible. But, you know, it's obvious that despite the fact that Trump is um, obviously paying lavish attention to his omelet bar, he's paying less attention to his other hospitality properties. And it was leaked this week that, you know, we know Trump is a germaphobe, right? He'd, even until he became president, he wouldn't even shake hands with people. He was like Howie Mandel. Right. That was his like excuse for like saying that the pee tape wasn't real. He's like, you know, I'm a germaphobe. I would never let someone <laughs> pee on me. Pee on me. I was like, okay. but they weren't alleging they were peeing on you. <laughs> Just so, in front of you. <laughs> right. Well, we don't know what he could have been peeing on them for all I know. That's <laughs> we don't perfectly know. sanitary. <laughs> Checks all the boxes for him. Um, well, there was a leak about the health inspector report for the restaurants that are in Trump Tower, and it was not pretty. Um, among the violations that uh, were uh, documented, number one, there was evidence of live mice, which they deemed a critical health problem. I think they dead was, mice would have been a problem as well. <laughs> but the live okay. mice, I don't know. Well, they're thriving on the, on the nutritious and delicious cuisine served in <laughs> Trump Tower. Fit um, for a mouse. <laughs> they said there are conditions conducive to attracting vermin. They said that the food contact stations were unacceptable. And a previous health inspection in 2014 said that there were live roaches and <laughs> something something called filth flies. What? What's a filth fly? <laughs> Is that the That's opposite of like, a, of like a clean fly? Like okay. what is a filth this, fly? This is the national emergency. 
The national emergency is that there are filth flies in Trump Tower. Um, I think the only filth flies are Donald Jr. and Eric. And Maybe Ivanka that's what they Jared. meant. That's, right, exactly. There are filth now, flies hovering around. He, he owns his other property. I didn't, did you know that he owns something in the Bronx? He owns a golf course, Trump Golf Links in the Bronx, and they had problems as well. They were cited for um, having plumbing problems. Plumbing and sewage, there is... Um, uh, backflow. There was problems with backflow prevention. It was in disrepair and not functioning properly. And I think what that means is that there was basically shit backed up. So and there, it's just like flowing. It's like a <laughs> underwater like shit storm. <laughs> This with filth flies everywhere and live oh. mice oh my gosh this is we need to like just stop everything and fix this this is by far the national emergency <laughs> nope to all these trump properties no food no no omelets no no, no omelets no gold go. omelets no nope. no beige on beige ensembles never no, that's the worst why don't we why do we unleash the filth flies on the beige on beige <laughs> unleash ensemble unleash the filth flies <laughs> <laughs> no, shut no, this no, all just, down. Just this I all can't. Down. Um, Rachel, any, any, Rachel, anything else going on in the uh, world of Trump grifters this week? Well, yeah, there's some been some big developments in the Roger Stone case. Um, the last we spoke of Roger Stone, he was spotted by Marley Madeline, the um, Oscar-winning fight. actress, getting Our a manicure. <laughs> Wait, by the way, we have to pause here and say that uh, after that after that podcast where we mentioned her, she followed you on Twitter, which she I would did. say suggests that she listens to us on Twitter. But although no. I use the term listen loosely, given that she is... Um, uh, I don't know what the politically correct way to say it. She's a non-hearing person, and maybe she puts. Maybe her she had an interpreter. The, maybe, maybe she had. She had an inter- okay, let's just say she ingested the podcast in some way. She knew we we mentioned her and gave her a yup. So okay. I and I continue to give her all of the ups. All, all the ups <laughs> in the world. Okay, so okay. that was the last time we mentioned him. So um. So, you know, this week, evidence emerged that he had direct contacts with WikiLeaks during the 2016 campaign, which, you know, I don't think people are talking about this enough. It's a big fucking deal. It establishes yeah, basically, a That's link. the damning end. That is, if not the missing link, like very close to the missing link of uh, collusion. It is the link. It is. <laughs> it is <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's not missing anymore. It is like so, Cro-Magnon man <laughs> to Homo sapiens. <laughs> that is it. That is it. <laughs> he is Cro-Magnon. <laughs> Trump is very tenuously homo sapiens, and that is the link. Yep, exactly. So um, I guess this rattled him because he he had been denying this. And so he posted and then deleted this photo on Instagram. And Brian, let me ask you something. Yes, yes. Who among us has not (laughs) posted a photo of a federal judge next to rifle crosshairs, especially when the judge is overseeing your case and you've been charged with lying, obstruction, and witness tampering? Very wives move. Very, (laughs) Very I would say that that's a smart. That's a that's a a way a really smart strategy to get an easy sentence. (laughs) Maybe even to get off easy. That seems to remain out of jail on bail. (laughs) (laughs) Great move. So he quickly removed it and then said it was an intern that posted it. But then he said it was him at the direction of an intern. You cannot get a straight answer from this man because he's just a fucking liar. But um, his explanation for the crime. 
crosshairs was really <laughs> the whole piece de resistance of this whole situation. He said it was actually a Celtic symbol. <laughs> that was his explanation, not only to wait, the media, wait. but to... So he is an expert, <laughs> he is an artisan of Celtic crafts does he does he sell them on etsy maybe that's how he's raising money for his legal defense he's selling celtic crafts (laughs) consisting of the likeness of the judge (laughs) on etsy But so, so it's hard to make a living on Etsy. I don't know if he's going to pay his lawyer's bill with his Etsy income. I don't know, but he is he on is he on Upwork? Is he on Fiverr as well? He's on Fiverr. Yeah, he's, as a tattoo artist, he'll do a Richard Nixon tattoo on your back for just five dollars. He'll do an interpretive dance with that move. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he later submitted a formal notice of apology to the court. And he said he had no intention of disrespecting the court when he posted this offensive picture of the judge. And um, today there was a hearing. Judge Amy Berman Jackson demanded that he come to court and she was not pleased. Oh, of course Um, not. She's like, I am not I am not Celtic. So she's like, my name is Judge Jackson if you're nasty. So she issued like a full gag order before he only had a partial gag order. Like he wasn't allowed to stand out in front of courthouses and grandstand. But now he's not allowed to speak about the case or anyone involved in it. (laughs) Can we just make him not allowed to speak? Can we just put like a ball gag in his mouth? There should be a ball gag in his mouth, but he shouldn't even be like out. In, in like the world like she should hold him in contempt she should revoke his bail he should be in a cell right now absolutely i as isolation booth whatever they yeah call so that. nope judge jackson put the weight of the federal oh, you're government giving the nope to judge jackson okay <laughs> obviously a nope to roger stone but nope to judge berman jackson <laughs> come on show Ms. your bde Miss Jackson, okay. you could be nastier. No, give, give, no. <laughs> no. Let's get nasty. No. Okay. <laughs> Rachel, is there any anything going on in the world of social media this week that we should know about? We haven't talked about this for a while. For a while, we were talking about Logan Paul every week. We haven't done that for a while. Is there anything interesting going on in social media? Yeah. Well, I mean, Roger Stone is not the only one posting regrettable things on social media. There's um, this person named Blippi. Have you heard of Blippi? (laughs) (laughs) That's a name? I'm going to tell you about Blippi. So Blippi is like a 30-year-old man. He's a YouTube star who's sort of like Pee-wee Herman. His name is really... (laughs) Wait, wait. I just want to pause you here because any 30-year-old man who's a YouTube star is already suspect in my mind. Like, you should be moving on to a real profession, not being a YouTube star. Well, he makes a ton of money. Like, if you made as much money as this guy, you might... (laughs) I'd be happy to be be a YouTube star. (laughs) So he has 3.6 million subscribers on his channel. He has 7 billion views, and he takes in anywhere from $100,000 a month to $1.6 million per month, depending on the Oof. month. And okay. so it's, you know, he, he he does pretty well. He does videos for little kids, like toddlers about trucks and police helicopters. And he walks with this very strange gait and wears like orange, um, bright orange glasses and a bow tie. Anyway, and, and suspenders. So he's sort of like a Pee Wee Herman-ish type. Um, but Blippi has a sorted social media past. And, oh, um, don't we all? Yes. 
Well, this is this is quite something. So BuzzFeed's Katie Natopoulos did this Pulitzer worthy investigation. And um, I'm just going to I'm just going to say it. So um, (laughs) before he was blippy, this man called himself Steezy Grossman on the Internet. Like S-T-E-E-Z-Y? Yes, he was a different character called Steezy Grossman. And BuzzFeed found this video from several years ago in which Steezy Grossman uh, quote, I'm just going to quote them. <laughs> yeah, just do um, it. Just quote, go for it. <laughs> takes an explosive diarrhea shit <laughs> on his nude friend's ass. <laughs> a truly shocking rendition of the Harlem Shake meme. Now, we can ask ourselves, what is the Harlem Shake meme? No, I know what you know, we all know what the Harlem Shake is. It was like one of these memes a few years ago. Where but, people were wait, dancing. I have a lot of questions. Okay. So, the Harlem Shake is never involved, to my knowledge, pooping on someone. But if you're going to poop on someone, a la Trump pee tape, right, why are you pooping on their ass? <laughs> like, is that a sex thing that I'm not aware of? Like, um, you have a, so you have a naked friend and they have an ass and you're like, I'm going to poop on your ass as part of the Harlem Shake. As well, so yeah, so the Harlem Shake, it's like the beat drops and like... Yes, and something happens. Something right? happens. And in this video, that is what happens. Okay, this is so not safe for work. We're never safe for work, but this is like triple NSFW. Right. So Blippi obviously was horrified and... Um, Katie Natopoulos was not allowed to post the <laughs> the video <laughs> itself because they sent a cease and desist letter. But so we had to, we had to take her word for it. No, but she, we took her word for it. But she's also our finest living artist, apparently, because she posted a <laughs> okay. pencil rendering of the <laughs> positions that everyone in this video was in. And like the take, like the uh, take on me video. Yes, <laughs> like, exactly. It looks just like that. So I am going to post a link to it in the show notes. Please. It is no, really no, quite something. I hope she no. makes one point six million dollars selling this nope, signed nope, print nope, of this blippy, artwork. No skeezy McGrossman or whatever your name no, is. No blippy. I don't believe. I like you know. I have a thing with cancel culture, and I ordinarily believe in redemption. But I feel like the bare minimum requirement for somebody who's going to be making videos for children is that they haven't been like posted a YouTube video of themselves <laughs> shitting on someone else's ass. Like that's just that's just rule number one. Okay, this is self evident. No, <laughs> no, no, just no shut blippy, this down. Shut it down. Shut, shut, shut this down. Okay, Rachel, what else is going in the uh, world of technology this week? Um. Okay. Well, we've got. Emojis are um, (laughs) upon us. They're showing up everywhere. (laughs) They're they're in our lives. And um, it should come as no surprise that they are showing up in legal disputes. Legal disputes? Okay. Like Supreme Court cases? I mean, I think that that is certainly a possibility. I mean, well, it's definitely going to happen if it hasn't already. But um, just in regular, everyday legal disputes between people and courts are not prepared. They don't know how to interpret the emojis. There's a lot of uh, there's a wide berth given to what they mean. And there was an article in The Verge, this um, Santa Clara University law professor did a study and he cited an exponential rise in emoji references in 
U.S. court opinions over the past 15 years. So it's becoming a bigger and bigger problem. So it's like they're subpoenaing people's emails and texts and things like that, and there's emojis in them. And presumably they're ill-equipped to figure out what, like, eggplant, eggplant, (laughs) rainbow, unicorn... Money bags. (laughs) Money bags, right. (laughs) High-heeled shoes means. (laughs) Right. Right. So they're basically racking juries or like racking their brains trying to figure it out. And it's it's become it's a it's a sign of our depraved time. This is a real <laughs> challenge. This is a real crisis in our criminal justice system, which is already very challenged, frankly. <laughs> Are there any examples of like cases that have hinged on yes, this? Yes. So there's there was one example that took place in Israel. So there was a couple in 2017 that was actually charged thousands of dollars in fees um, because the court ruled that their use of emojis to a landlord (laughs) signaled an intent to rent his apartment. So let me tell you what happened here. That doesn't doesn't make any sense to me. It's very strange. So this couple sent a text to the landlord confirming that they wanted (laughs) the apartment. And the text contained a string of emoji, including a champagne bottle, a squirrel, and a comet. (laughs) Squirrel? The old champagne bottle, squirrel and comet trio. Is a squirrel like the universal symbol for I want the apartment? I think it's a it's a definite confirmation. Like it's, it's as good Is it legally binding? It's as good as a security deposit. <laughs> Like, oh, I got the squirrel. Can you okay. get like a docu-sign for a contract instead of signing your name, just put a squirrel, a, com- a squirrel and a comet on there? A squirrel, a comet, and a champagne bottle. Yeah. So anyway, so they sent this string of emoji and then they stopped responding to the landlord's texts and went on to rent a different apartment. And the landlord sued and the court ruled that the couple acted in bad faith, saying that the, the emoji <laughs> conveyed great optimism. <laughs> It did. What it's does true. A, what we, does a, I mean, I can't speak to the squirrel, which is sort of neutral or uninterpretable, but certainly a champagne and a, what was the other a one? Comet? A comet. Those are very optimistic symbols. But maybe they meant that, that like they're celebrating because they're like shooting off to another galaxy. <laughs> possible. It's possible. Okay, so Bay Area prosecutors, they were trying to prove that a man who was arrested during a prostitution sting was a pimp. And so they had (laughs) the evidence was a series of Instagram DMs that he sent to a woman. And one read teamwork, make the dream work. And next to it was high heels and a money bag at the end. And the prosecutors said that the message implied a working relationship. Um, and the defendant that's more that's more reasonable to me yeah well I'm gonna wear I'm gonna wear shoes for money right but it also could have meant that I just I like Louboutins or you know. <laughs> I bought expensive shoes <laughs> now if there'd been a squirrel and a comet on there it certainly would have been admissible evidence of <laughs> there, a crime there was precedent <laughs> of <laughs> solicitation no we killed this no 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 well I mean the bottom line is that it was inconclusive so. this is in the this is the department of racing to the bottom no no, no, no shut, shut it down. down but I can be your emoji expert witness judges if you're listening i'm I'm available so (laughs) at the right hourly rate (laughs) i can testify that a peach is a butt 
<laughs> okay. Okay. No, no. Okay. So uh, moving back to more traditional media, um, Rachel, are you a fan of uh, Tucker Carlson on Fox News? Um, no. You can't I say you're a fan. find him to be, he looks like a constipated baby. <laughs> On top of a bow tie. <laughs> yes. Um, that's exactly what he is. Um, so, uh, you know, he used to be the, like, intellectual one. He used to be on, like, CNN debating Michael Kinsley, and that's the bow tie. Oh, was, like, come the on, academic. Brian. He's no match for <laughs> Michael Kinsley. I'm not saying he was. I'm just saying he, he never made it in that, so he went <laughs> to Fox News. So, But in a grasp towards his intellectual roots, he had on Dutch historian Rutger Bregman. Have you heard of this guy? Oh, my God. He, he's an icon. He's <laughs> Okay. So he's a cultural critic, a historian. So he was uh, on the show. I don't know why Tucker Carlson had him on, um, talking about the billionaires at Davos who were being so hypocritical because they were talking about raising taxes to pay for things at the same time they were dodging taxes. So um, Rutger Bregman said, to his credit, he said, you are a millionaire talking about billionaires, and that's why you're not talking about these issues. And there was this incredibly long pause from Tucker Carlson, so uncomfortable, and just stammered, and he go like, in, in the absence of anything else to say, he said, but, 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 but I am talking about these issues. And then there was another pause, and Tucker Carlson says this. He says, why don't you go fuck you sa- yourself, you tiny brain guy? You're a moron. I tried to give you a hearing, but you were too fucking annoying. <laughs> and, and it was sort of like on mic, off mic. And then he said, I hope they catch this. I hope they put this on air. Mm-hmm. So I think this really proves the uh, intellectual rigor that he brings to his interviews. And to the extent that people say that he is emotionally driven out of anger and fury, I think this disproves that, that it's incredible to say that to a guest. I mean, I think that's what he really thinks. He just doesn't always say it. Well, yeah, he did you see today he posted a link where he tried to like get out from under this and explain what happened because this clip like went viral after Rutger Bregman recorded it and just released it because they wouldn't air the segment. So um, Tucker Carlson said like, oh, I want to talk about this thing that happened a month ago and pretended like it was like just all casual. And he's like... He said, you know, everything was going fine until Bregman attacked Fox News, and that was too much. Whatever oh. my faults, nobody in management has ever told me what positions to take. We have total freedom. And you could almost see, like, the guy with a gun standing, like, in the corner. <laughs> the ISIS hostage video. <laughs> it was like, okay, you're protesting a little bit too much. Too much. Tucker no, Carlson. No. Um, so this is, I think this really is, he just dropped the kimono. He showed his true colors as if we really needed to see them. He um, was dead to us. He was dead to us when he, you know, Got into that huge fight with Lauren Duca. Lauren Duca, one of our finest guests, right? Yes. He tried to humiliate her, and he she just put and him he in his failed. place. It was an epic fail. He's a he failure. Felt, no, he should be sh- he should be shut down. He should be taken off. Fo- he, he is too despicable even for Fox News. I think he He's, is a, a poser. He is an imposter. He should go, you know what he should do? He should go get on like RT News. RT from, like, exactly. Russia. He's That's perfect he, for RT. I hope that he, he has a very successful career there because. He doesn't belong anywhere. I mean, I guess on he our, does belong on, on Fox. Media. They're disgraceful, but he's uh, he's been no, dead he to me for a long on time. Earth. He doesn't belong on Earth. Okay, no, Tucker no, Carlson. Tucker go, Carlson. As if we didn't know this, go into a Thai cave that's about to get flooded. Go pack your knives and go. You are disgusting. The this tribe has spoken. <laughs> the tribe has spoken. Yep, Goodbye. to Rutger Bregman. No. No, no. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> Rachel, what else is going on? Um, so why is everyone talking about towels? Are you interested in that? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I'm, I haven't been. Is it, are people talking about towels? <laughs> so, yeah, people. everyone's talking about towels. So there's this guy named Abdul Dramali, and he has this podcast called Unrelatable. And he tweeted uh, an innocuous question. He said, how many towels should two people own? And like the internet went bananas. You just never know what's going to catch on, you know? No. And so <laughs> there's- that seems like a very innocent question. And in fact, I could entirely see it being the kind of question that nobody would ask. Like you have one of those Twitter polls that you think is going to go viral and you get like three people answering. That's, right. what, that's what it seems like. Right. So Yashar Ali, who works for the Huffington Post, he replied saying that a couple should have no fewer than 50 towels. <laughs> five oh? Wait, yes. five oh fifty? And, okay. And, and people went completely bananas. Ta- hashtag towels started trending. Chrissy Teigen weighed in. She was like, tw- he, he specified that they should have 20 washcloths. She was like, 20 washcloths? That is way how, many, how many bathrooms does he think people have? Like, people have one at most two. Uh, yeah, and, I don't, I don't uh, know. What is this? Real Housewives of Beverly? Is this like Dorit Kemsley's <laughs> house or like Lisa Vanderpump's house with like 50 bathrooms? Lisa Vanderpump probably needs 50 towels. But <laughs> but it's created this um, spate of soul searching. People are wondering how many towels should I have? And I've been thinking about it too. You know, how many towels do you have? Um, I don't know. We have two bathrooms and we probably have two or three bath towels and two or three face towels and two or three hand towels. So I'll add that up generously to be 15. 15. One five. Okay. Yeah. I I mean, I think so. My friend Elizabeth Holmes, she was like part of this whole internet thing. She tweeted (laughs) that she she turned to her husband and asked him, what's the correct number of towels to own? And she was bracing for this follow up of like, what the fuck? Why are you asking me this? (laughs) And he just turned to her and was like 12. And you know what? Matt Stewart, 12 is is the perfect amount of towels. And then I just counted my towels and I I have 12, but they do not bring me joy. So I'm bringing in some Marie Kondo (laughs) into this and I'm going to, I'm going to throw them all out and get new towels. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I need to think about that. I, I had never considered the numbers of towels I have. Maybe I can get rid of some old ones. I don't know if I need 15. It's like, remember we did that piece about like the number, the perfect number of fries you should have on your plate. And it was like six. six no, six that's, fries. I'm like, that's <laughs> disgusting. It's like have none or have 600. <laughs> no, who no. cares? Have however many towels you want. I don't care. No, no, no. no as long as they're not moldy. <laughs> obviously <laughs> obviously okay i have one more story here um rachel have you been to the grand canyon oh yeah so um you know josh's mother lives in arizona so we we go there a lot and i once got a mezuzah there oh. at the gift shop <laughs> they're known for their mezuzahs <laughs> it's like a judaica shop is it made of like Grand Canyon stone rock? It, it is. Is it in any way related to the Grand it's Canyon? Very, it's it very just south, like a, southwestern. Was it, like a, was it like a Judaica shop that happened to No, be it was in the, the Grand, Grand Canyon, Canyon gift shop. Okay. Well, it kind of derails my story, but... <laughs> So there's a museum there. There's a National Park Museum collection. And one thing you might have noticed if you had visited over the last 20 years is that 
by the gift shop, <laughs> there are three paint buckets, and they are five-gallon buckets, and nobody thought to ask, like, why they're there or what they're filled with, and it turns out that someone noticed and did some whatever calculation and figured out that they were filled with um, radioactive uranium, and they had been in the basement for decades, and then at some point 20 years ago, someone moved them to, like, the museum lobby, and... No one thought to move them again. Wait, Brian, can I interrupt you for a second? Did yes. this article state how close these are to the Judaica display? <laughs> collection? <laughs> the, the, like, did they have like Torah scrolls? I because think it was I, everything. I think it's a uh, tight quarters in there. So I think everything was close to it. Right. To right. Nuclear and, waste. And they were so full that one of the buckets wasn't even closed. Like the uranium was like bursting to overflow. And it was, <laughs> oh like, <my> <laughs> it was like, you know, everywhere. And there's student groups that go through there. There's tourists and everything. And they were all being exposed to this. So how did they find out about this? This was identified by the teenage son of a park employee who it turns out was a, quote, Geiger counter enthusiast. Oh, so now, he like walked in and like the Geiger counter was like, like <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. And then there's like some army. I don't know if the story gets convoluted. There's some army helicopter pilot who saw it and said he didn't know what it was, but he thought he was bad mojo. So the people in the museum brought in specialists and the specialists came in and these were like, you know, nuclear uranium specialists, but they couldn't do their job because they didn't have a Geiger counter. And then they called in the backup and it took them seven days to show up, but they couldn't do their job either because it turned out that they had no protective clothing and they wound up using dishwashing and gardening gloves and a broken mop. This does not seem safe. I don't, I'm not like a nuclear cleanup expert, but this does not sound scientific. (laughs) No, no. So, of course, there's a grift and corruption angle to this because something this disastrous doesn't happen on its own. The guy, uh, I guess his name, uh, I guess it was the army pilot, um, tried, they tried to alert acting interior secretary David Bernard, who I guess is the guy that's stepping in for Ryan Zinke. Oh, he's acting. Everyone's acting. They're all acting. He's just acting as an interior secretary. And they got stonewalled, so the office did nothing. And then it turns out that the whistleblower was fired. And he was black, and he had been, previous to this, pursuing a racial discrimination complaint against the Interior Department. And then when he was the whistleblower on the uranium buckets, he was fired. This is terrible. <laughs> I, I, I'm like, I'm beside myself. Where do you even myself. start with this story? I'm There's beside buckets. myself. This story has everything. It has buckets of uranium. It has Judaica. <laughs> it, it has... <laughs> Acting interior secretaries, it has Geiger counters, it has broken mop brooms. <laughs> Could you bring a Geiger counter over next time you come over? I want to see if my mezuzah is radioactive. Know. What's in that bucket in your bathroom? <laughs> there's there's towels all over there. They should have just used the towels. If they had had more towels, they could have sopped it up and <laughs> thrown it into the Grand Canyon. If no, they only no. had 50 towels. No, no, no. no this is terrible. This is, nope. Shut it down. Where no. do I start? Where do I stop? Okay, now is the part of the podcast where we do the things that we actually like these are the yups these are the things that are little beacons of light little rays of hope that get us going through these terrible terrible 
dark times we each have one. I'm going to start. Um, I'm going to tell you the story of Hannah Kinney. She's a student at the University of Iowa, and every week she goes to her Bible study group. Who among us does not? And then after the Bible study group, each week they go to a delightful restaurant called The Airliner, and what they like to do is order pizza with ranch dressing. But inevitably, they forget the ranch dressing, so what usually happens is Hannah has to go down and actually get the ranch dressing back from the bar or the kitchen or whatever. This week, however, there was a little bit of a problem. She had to go get her ranch dressing, and the rest of the restaurant was full with a party, a fundraiser from uh, presidential candidate Kirsten Gillibrand. Oh, who's our, actually, our senator. Our senator, who was actually there at the event. And she was pushing her way through this crowd, and she bumped up against Senator Gillibrand and said, Sorry, I'm just trying to get some ranch. Now, you know I have a vested interest in this because I like ranch. You everything. love ranch. Would, you would right, you I, would eat ranch all day. You would drink it. I, I do. I already had it today. I, if there was a keg of ranch, I would like do keg stands. I would just put it into my mouth. So Hannah just says, sorry, I'm trying to get some ranch. And this was videoed as she's jostling up against Senator Gillibrand. Um, and she has now become on social media the ranch girl. And <laughs> She's an icon and for our times. She, <laughs> she's our finest living ranch girl. And not only is she famous for this, but she has now aver- emerged as a leading contender for the Democratic nomination for the 2020 presidential <laughs> election. <laughs> there is a grassroots campaign to draft to ranch, girl ranch Girl to be president, to which I say, yup, yup, yes, anything yep. that's good for ranch she is good for America. She doesn't let anything get in her way. She's, no. no. You go, Hannah Kitty. Yup. Okay, yep. Rachel, what's your yup? My yup goes to Natasha Leone and her new show, Russian Doll, which is so fantastic. It's like um, Groundhog Day meets you know, Twin Peaks. It's creepy. It's cool. And she's from, it's, Orange, she's from Orange is the New Black, but she has a big indie film career before her. Yeah, the, she's know, had well. a really yeah. long... She was in American Pie. She's she's fantastic. She's at the height of her creative powers. And she wrote this show and um, she's an executive producer. And I just... Uh, it's so creative and so interesting. I haven't seen anything like it in a really long time. So everybody watch it on I've, Netflix. I've, I haven't seen it, but the, the episodes are like 20 minutes, right? So you could like get in real just quick and through the whole thing yeah i binged through three so i might just watch the next three tonight based on your yup i recommend to you okay (laughs) so those are our yup ladies and gentlemen that is the end of our podcast thank you so much for listening we're very grateful our uh, ratings are going through the roof so many people are listening and we're so grateful the way you can help us is by rating reviewing uh, leave a comment. That's great. Uh, only review us if you're going to leave us five stars. If you're going to leave us anything less, it's like Uber. If you're going to leave us not five stars, just go away. Don't listen to the podcast. Just don't Nobody's subscribe. forcing you. Nobody's Nobody has a gun you. to your head. Nobody's forcing you to do this. Just uh, And more importantly, go tell your friends in person. That's the number one way that the word of mouth gets started. This has been an absolutely terrible, terrible week, but it's been a really fun podcast to record. Thank you so much for listening. This has been This Week in Nope. The podcast where we shut it down. Wanna be my new friend, we got a lot in common We can talk about nothing, shoot the shit, we got shit to shoot